This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week's podcast is brought to you by BHP. Copper is a big deal in the energy transition because it's used to make electric vehicles, wind turbines and solar panels. When it comes to producing copper responsibly, it's happening now at BHP. Saturday Squeeze is your shortcut to being informed weekend style. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. Saturday Squiz this week, Claire, we're going international first with a couple of big global stories and then bringing it right back to Oz. Yep. So Vladimir Putin's meeting with Kim Jong-un, that was a really big one. That's a sure thing today, uh, as well as those floods in Libya. And then we're going to get, Kate, onto housing, the economy. There's an Aussie news theme segment. It's all happening. <laughs> it's all happening. Coming up, um, also one of Australia's most loved shows is back. Claire, I know you're dying to talk about Neighbours. <laughs> and in Squeeze Recommends, we've got the business of Swifty and a candle. Let's do it. Big thanks to Larissa for filling in for me the last two Saturday Squeezes, Claire. You two had a little too much fun for my liking. <laughs> she did say that you were going to have to sort of wrestle the mic back off her. Uh, I see that you've won that battle, so I've well done. That. I don't know. I mean, I was quite happy listening to the two of you. I really enjoyed putting you on while I was on oh, the beach in Noosa. But it's so nice to have her in the studio, but it's lovely to have you back. Thank you. I am I am glad I got the mic back. Most clicked link um, was predictable as the sun rising every day, Claire. There was a link in the Squiz Today newsletter this week to test how good or bad your diet is. If there's someone going to talk about diets and there's a scorecard to fill out, I am absolutely in. Uh, That one was from the CSIRO, so of course our national science agency, and we put that in the Squiz Today newsletter this week. It was part of a piece of research that they did around our diets. Mm. Uh, Of course, the inevitable result, we're not eating enough vegetables. Uh, They always tell us this, and whenever I hear this, I have this voice in my head. It's my mother (laughs) saying, everything in moderation, Kate. But it's hard. Oh, it's boring as well. (laughs) It's really boring. Who's got time for that sort of self-discipline? And I say just go and enjoy yourself. Did you take the test? Oh, yeah, absolutely. A couple of times. (laughs) I won't ask you for your results. Don't do that. (laughs) That's a very private conversation. I hope you won't ask me for mine. (laughs) Biggest stories this week, Claire. Do you want to start with Libya or Russia? Look, I reckon let's start with the floods in Libya and we'll also touch on the earthquake in Morocco because these have been big natural disasters. Mm. Uh, At least more than 8,000 people have died, many thousands more injured, many, many more missing as well. Those disasters that struck those two nations, they're both in North Africa. Um, The victims in both areas, though, aren't getting the aid that they need because of these big political complications. So just let's start with what happened in Libya because, um, of course, it was in the news this week. I don't think I had an appreciation of how mind-blowing the devastation really is there, was Mm. there. Um, The Mediterranean storm Daniel hit Libya's northeastern coast over the weekend. Hardest hit was a city called Derna, about 90,000, 100,000 people, so not a huge city. Mm. That's where entire neighbourhoods were washed away. A deluge of water came from two dams that burst. Yeah, so just to give you a sense of it, the water levels reached the fourth and fifth floors of Mm. buildings in that city. It just absolutely washed through. Uh, Officials reckon at least... 20,000 people have died there in that rush of water and reports say and the pictures show Mm. about half of that city has just gone into the sea. Yeah, we've got a link in your episode notes which steps through the events with graphics. It's quite something. 
A huge tragedy, as you say, made worse by politics. Yeah, so in Libya the affected area is run by is run by one of the two countries' governments. They have two. One is a United Nations-backed government. This area is actually administered by the other government, so very complicated situation. So when you say that, we're talking civil war. Yeah, there has been civil war there a couple of times over the last decade or so, but that country is very oil-rich but very politically unstable. Mm. So the ceasefire has been in place for about three years. The experts say that the fact that there's two governments and just years of under-investment in infrastructure means that it's a much worse tragedy than it probably needed to be. It didn't need to be this bad. On to Morocco, it had its most powerful earthquake in a century. That killed about 3,000 people politics at play there too. It's an interesting one, Morocco. I don't think I, and I still don't really claim to know that much about no. their system of government, but what I do know is that it's a former colony of France. Um, the issues there is that the Moroccan government is only taking aid from a number of countries, Spain, the UK, Qatar, the United Arab Emirates. Who they won't take aid from is the United States mm. and they're probably best placed in that to region to go and help and also France. It's a really big issue there. Lots of people saying lots of things about this, tragic situations. The death tolls will probably continue to rise as well, Claire. Yeah, they certainly will. The other major world news story this week was North Korean leader Kim Jong-un's trip to Russia. He took his own private train, Claire, which is a whole thing. <laughs> and look, if I had my own private train, I'd probably, you know, choo-choo around as well. But... <laughs> well, I was only wondering about the train networks actually, but and that was a whole thing. I actually I spent half an hour this morning looking at the train networks between Russia and North Korea. But, you, know. <laughs> look, you spend your time how you want to. But, yes, he took his train from Pyongyang up to Siberia and has done a couple of other stop-offs as well. Um, his father travelled that way. His grandfather travelled that way. There's all sorts of claims of aerophobia, so fear of flying. Fear of flying, yeah, Apparently, but he has flown. I, I assume so. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's just more comfortable. You Very can't take slow. a train everywhere. <laughs> no, but 40 kilometres an hour, it took 20 hours to get to where he was going to meet. It's a long time. Yeah. Yeah, but there is a whole rabbit hole you can go down about the Kim family and their love of trains if you really want to. And, Kate, it sounds like you already have. <laughs> I started. I have started. <laughs> and, look, there's a bit of a theme in the commentary about this trip. Um, he fell into the arms of Vladimir Putin. It was a big love-in yeah. that they had. And, look... Doesn't that guy need some friends? I mean, you are reading this extensively because I know you're very interested in it, but mm. I guess that was the interesting part of all of this is that if Vladimir Putin needs his friend to be North Korea's leader at this point, is he in a bit of trouble? He's in a bit of trouble. Yeah. That's exactly right. And also in a bit of trouble when it comes to actually operating his war in Ukraine because part of that conversation, certainly according to the analysts in America, is that he needs to get ammunition for that war. So with all the sanctions that are in place, with all of the partnerships that he has, it's very difficult for him to source that sort of support. North Korea could come to the table. Of course, they're not talking about that. This is the, the commentary and the speculation. Not publicly. It's not, it's yeah. not something they're going to, you know, publicise to the world. Mm. Um, I guess in return, though, what's Russia going to do for North Korea? Yeah, so what North Korea wants is help with its satellite missions. It's tried to launch a couple of satellites, hasn't had a lot of luck with that. Um, they're not satellites, though, to improve their internet connections. Yeah, so, <laughs> exactly, I'm looking at you going, yeah. satellites? It's not communications. These are spy satellites. Okay. So they want to know what's happening in the region, Japan, but 
but particularly, of course, South Korea and what America is doing in that region. So I guess like over and above all of that, usually when world leaders come together, they're having conversations about doing nice things in the world. When it comes to Putin and Kim, it's kind of like two scheming dictators really scheming how to make the world worse and create more chaos. It's very serious stuff, but it is like a movie. Mm. I mean, taking a bulletproof train to go and catch up in the, you know, depths of Russia, it is yeah. it is like something from a movie. Um, and it's quite the spectacle and I guess, Claire, unusual times. Very unusual times. This next segment, Claire, is our local look at news. Um, when we had our production meeting, I could see the team going, Kate, you're trying to fit a lot in here. What a challenge. Yeah, love a news challenge. It's a, Exactly. Maybe that could be a new segment. News challenge. <laughs> Bring it on. The theme is property. So to start, the bosses of our banks, our big banks, were in Canberra this week to meet with the treasurer and the government people who run our monetary policy, I guess. Headlines from this was that a recession is unlikely is what they think. They talked about a soft landing for the economy. Yeah, so remember a recession, just in case you need a reminder. And Kate, you can say it with me. It's <laughs> two, two consecutive quarters of negative, negative economic, economic growth. growth. Yeah, exactly right. And there's all sorts we of didn't, we didn't rehearse that at <laughs> no, all. There's all sorts of kinds of recessions that you can have. But of course there've been big concerns about our economy slowing down, people losing their jobs, all sorts of things. But yeah. what the experts are saying, the people who are watching it really closely, particularly those rate rises and the effect that it would have. Um, they're saying that it's been pretty manageable for businesses and for homeowners, um, that people are coping people with are all coping of that. People are coping with it all, yeah. yeah. And to pick up on the homeowner part of that, I guess, there was a bit around this week about distressed sales. So that's when someone can no longer afford their mortgage and therefore they need to sell their home. By all accounts, that's happening far less than they expected. Yeah, and that's despite what is the sharpest rise in interest rates that we've seen, I yeah. think, ever. Certainly ever. in the yeah. last generation anyway. And the commentary this week has pointed to people refinancing, they're cutting down on their spending. I know I certainly have. Yeah. I did a recut of my budget a couple of weeks ago um, that they don't have to sell. So, of course, some people are. Distressed sales are happening, but it's very patchy. It's very patchy. Um, I'm going to get back to this in a moment. I need to know, though, do you run a budget like on a spreadsheet for yourself? I don't adhere to it like every – I'm not like punching in numbers every week about what I've spent. No. But I do set it all up and I set up bank accounts for bills and for – I do that too. My vet and yeah. for yeah. – So when I get paid, it, might, yeah. like, it like sort of just filters sorts itself into out. The accounts, yeah. I think that's a bit of the barefoot investor – kind of thinking. My mum. I think it's old old school. Uh, yeah. I've never actually read that book, but I, he- yeah. I hear that's what he suggests people do. But yeah. yeah, it is a bit old school. Oh, we do it the same thing. You sort of pay oh. your own bills. You pay yourself. You pay yourself and yeah. you pay your savings. And yeah, okay. So that's okay. how I do it as well. But no, I don't have like the spreadsheet with yeah. the, yeah. I did that just so I knew how much, I, I just want to know how much can I spend every week. Yes, I agree. Yeah. And am I on top of it? And or I'm, am I yeah. yeah, or am I under or am I over? Yeah, okay, all right, we're on the same page. That's not um <laughs> it's not news. No. That's just what we do. Interesting. Um, but you said that this is patchy and this is the big call out, I guess, whilst these numbers of distressed sales are looking across, you know, the macro level, the national level, when you drill down into smaller geographical areas, there are pockets of vulnerability, I guess. Yeah. Look at you sounding all economist 
type mm-hmm. pockets of vulnerability. Well, so, I mean, I actually stole that from Domains oh, Economist. You're right, That's what you. they said, but I think it's um, very it apt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And of course, they're very worried about parts of Sydney. Mm. Sydney is in particular focused because, of course, Sydney has the highest property prices in the country. Uh, for example, Blacktown, there are distressed listings there. They've nearly doubled in the last year, according to your domain economist. <laughs> My mate. Yeah. So, yeah, and that sort of goes against the trend. But plenty of talk this week too about the fact that people have to come off fixed rates. There's a whole bunch of people who fixed their uh, interest rate when it was down at point Whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So 0.1%, I think it was. So now that ends, that term ends, and they're going up to 4 and 5%. So it's a bit of a cliff, they call that. Yeah, so they were saying, look, things seem to be okay, but let's wait and see. This brings us to our Spotify question of the week, Claire. If you're listening on Spotify, we're polling this week on the cost of living pressures and how you're feeling about them, whether you're feeling the pinch. So if you are listening on Spotify, jump into that poll and tell us if it's anonymous. Um, you can just click on the one that suits you the best. Whilst we're here, quick note on uh, the economy, interest rates. Philip Lowe, property. Philip Lowe finished up this week. Michelle Bullock takes the reins as governor of the RBA from Monday. Yeah, she does. And the other thing that happened this week in relation to all of this property segment, Kate, Mm -hmm. is that the government's housing bill passed through the Senate and it's now heading into law. It's been a long time coming, this one. It's called the Housing Australia Future Fund, the HAF. It's worth $10 billion. The aim is to build 30,000 affordable homes across Australia in the next five years, Gee, it took some negotiations. It needed support from the crossbench to get it through the Senate. For a long time, Claire, the Greens were not having a bar of it unless the government agreed to do something about rents. They wanted a rent freeze. Yeah, that was something, though, that the Albanese government consistently said absolutely no way. They couldn't do that. But they didn't have to concede on that. The Greens had to give way. Uh, What the Greens got, though, was more money for public housing. And to understand this, I didn't fully understand what the Greens' beef was, I guess, but it's important to highlight this is a fund. So it's not Mm. a, a policy as such. It's an actual fund. So they'll pour money into it. And the idea is the money gets set aside, generates income in that fund and is therefore able to service housing needs ongoing. The Greens asked the question, well, what if the fund doesn't make money? If the fund doesn't make money, then the plan is completely stuffed. That's And they true. need to employ <laughs> new investment managers. It's kind of like the future fund. You put a bunch of money aside and then live off the interest. And exactly. the idea is that they'll spend about $500 million a year. Um, $10 billion is the nest egg. Mm. It'll take them a long time until they spend $10 billion on housing. But yeah, it's separate. Away they go. Away they go. So what they had to do though, just to get to the nub of the negotiation, was commit $3 billion outside of that fund Mm. to spend on public and community housing. So that's funds that are separate from the half. Yeah. And housing is such a big issue. Like you only have to talk to someone who's tried to buy a house or tried to rent a house, a home, just to call their own. It's been very, very difficult in the last period of time. So sharing that sort of state, federal, local government kind of overlay that we have on this whole structure, um, it's an important thing and it's something that impacts us all. A look now into the week ahead, Claire. We're well into footy finals. All my teams are out. 
Oh, no. I know. Oh, yeah, they are too. <laughs> I'm sorry. I should have sent you a text message commiserating. Um, but, you know, whatever. Um, we've got semifinals <laughs> for both the NRL and the AFL this week. Lots going on outside of the sport itself when it comes to talk of concussion and the lasting effects. Yeah, for sure. And one of the biggest stories of the week is what happened during an AFL match last weekend. Um, Melbourne player Angus Brayshaw, he was cleaned up completely cleaned up yeah. by Collingwood's Braden Maynard. Um, Brayshaw was unconscious in the middle of the MCG for a couple of minutes. It was just a horrible thing to see. Awful to watch. And this is a bit inside baseball, as they say, but Brayshaw is engaged to Danielle Frawley. She's the daughter of AFL legend Danny Frawley, who took his own life four years ago this week, Claire. After his death, he was found to have CTE. So that's dementia caused by repeated brain injury. Yeah. It's a whole collision to yeah. not make a pun, but yeah, just a horrible sort of set of circumstances. Yeah. And it's now big national news. This concussion issue is a really big story. Yeah. Just listening to the radio this morning, lots of talk about wearing headgear and whether mm. that helps or whether it doesn't. And it's not specific to the AFL. This is relevant for many, many, many contact sports, many really. contact yeah. sports. Exactly. Um, you know, what's a, not a very big story. <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> the Wallabies. Yeah. I mean, the Rugby World Cup is on. In France at the moment, the Wallabies are playing and we barely heard a whisper of it. Yeah, normally it would be quite a big story. Yeah. There's a lot of people who do like rugby, but a lot of people who have tuned out in recent years and that's because, of course, the Wallabies haven't been doing so well. And a lot of controversy as well. There's mm. been a whole lot of things. I mean, the time difference doesn't help. Doesn't help. Um, you and I had the conversation that we couldn't name the captain, in <laughs> fact, so I made sure I knew who the captain was. It's Will Skelton. He hasn't been captain for very long. Michael mm. Hooper was our captain. He was dropped by Eddie Jones, the new coach. A month before the World Cup. Yeah, if you're feeling like a bit of a time warp, Eddie Jones was the coach years and years back ago. Again. He's back. Yeah. Um, we talked about him a little bit the other week. Will Skelton Clare, though, just so we know some things about the captain. So he's six foot six. Yeah, he's he's like really tall, 203 centimetres. He's a second rower. Um, <laughs> Kate, you tell me his feet. <laughs> I don't know why you've got a foot fetish, maybe. He's a size 19. I just read it somewhere and thought it was a fun fact. Amazing. So he's a big guy. Where would you get your shoes at size 19? Yeah, he's a, he's a big guy. Apparently a lovely, lovely guy by all accounts. Um, so anyway, that's what's happening with the Wallabies. We feel like we needed to give them a nod. Um, they won their first game against Georgia. We've got Fiji in the early hours of Monday morning. Yeah. You're going to have to get up really early for that. It's like 2 a.m. So, you know luck. what, you don't have to get up at 2 a.m. to watch, though, Claire. <laughs> nice segue. <laughs> Neighbours, it's back, segue. if you can believe it. So, uh, as New Idea <laughs> wrote about it, the beloved Aussie soap will return to Channel 10 and Amazon Freebie. It's a whole thing. Um, it's just a year. Remember when it ended? I remember because I had to write stuff and we talked about it I because like, yeah, I it feel... was like an end of an era. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, according to New Idea, fans are delighted worldwide. Amazing. So will it be back? Is it prime time? Like, you know, is it, what's its time slot? 6.30? Oh, you don't know. I don't know. Okay, but it's on demand. It's quite, Watch it when you want. It's quite a thing. Um, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Claire, but it's <laughs> serendipitous that Kylie Minogue is also releasing an album this week. Yeah, her 16th album, if her you can believe it. 16th album. Yeah, it's called Tension. Unless you've been living under a rock, you already know the first single, which is Padam. Yep. 
I'm not going to sing it, Kate. You've oh, sung it's on in the my, podcasts before. No, I'm not you singing. Go. Okay. No. Yeah. It's out on Friday, so a good one to get to. Yeah, one more thing to note that will be in the news next week on Wednesday, the age pension, disability support pension, veterans and carers payments go up as does Job Seeker and the parenting payments, so they all increase. More than 5.5 million Aussies will get more money in their bank accounts from that. Yeah, it's a lot and it's part of the Albanese government's um, cost of living package, which is more than $14 billion worth. And if you're looking across the news on the weekend and into next week, of course, lots of coverage of The Voice and the various campaigns, um, they have launches across this weekend. Yeah, there's a lot happening there and we'll have a bit more to say about that next week. Yeah, plenty going on. It's also school holidays. Victoria and Queensland public schools clocked off yesterday. The ACT, the NT, New South Wales, Western Australia will finish up at the end of this coming week. South Australia and Tassie, you got to go through to the end of the month. Keep on pushing. Remember school holidays? Oh, Two weeks off just after 10 weeks of work. It's a fantastic idea. (laughs) Should we bring it back? Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) On to our recommendations, Claire. There's a podcast called Recode Media. It's all about media. It's by Vox. I really like the Mm. podcast. Um, It's a bit insider, you know, inside media, so I wouldn't recommend it broadly to the audience, but I am recommending one episode called The Business of Taylor Swift. The host, Peter Kafter, is completely ignorant of the juggernaut that Taylor Swift is. <laughs> I, I actually, I mean, I think he might be feigning ignorance, but mm. um, he he's able to really get into the nitty gritty of why the Taylor Swift machine works, I guess. Yes, speaking of living under rocks, you really would have to not to sort of be I guess sort of broadly conscious of the juggernaut that is Taylor Swift. Yeah, so. I mean, they just kind of explain um, what she is as a businesswoman, but not her, like her whole machine, as the I model. said. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, so a, it's a really, it's a really different angle. I remember reading one about the model of the Kardashians. That oh, business that model. would have been great. Super interesting yeah. as well. Um, Kate, I had to buy a candle. Last weekend. No, it was for a gift Mm -hmm. and I ended up keeping it. So I had to buy something (laughs) else for the birthday girl. Um, It's from Mecca. It's a replica. It's what the brand is called. So it's not a replica of something. The brand is replica. replica. Yeah, exactly. The fragrance is Lazy Sunday Morning. Mm -hmm. I had the perfume of that lazy Sunday morning oh, okay. and it used to make me very angry on Sunday because with the squiz work on a Sunday and my Sunday mornings were not lazy. They were a work day. It's a bit sad for so you. So I would put it on. It was like my little <laughs> protest every Sunday morning, but I digress. The candle is really good. It's a bit expensive, but it burns for hours. Okay. There you go. Candle recommendation. It's always good to have in your back pocket. <laughs> Squeeze Press, first of all, The Voice, big deal in the news at the moment, as I just said. Plenty of people still confused about what's what and how they're going to vote. We have a a voice resource centre on our website which has lots of information about the yes and no cases, sort of summarising the broad strokes and helping people come to a decision. A link to that is in your episode notes. And, Kate, we had an event with the DPA, the Digital Publishers Alliance, this week, all came together and presented to advertising agencies about Mm. our offer. You did an outstanding job, I thought. Of presenting? Yeah. Oh, so nervous. No, it didn't come across (laughs) as that. I thought you did really well. Thank you. And there were lots of – I was at the back of the room, lots of people talking about the good ideas that we've got coming up. So look forward to talking about those in the future. Yeah, we made a little announcement and we'll hold out on Mm. telling the audience just 
Yet. Dirty tease. Dirty tease. Um, They also did some research about trust and why independent media like The Squiz is so highly trusted and highly valuable um, to audiences and advertisers. That research is available to anyone interested. A link is in your episode notes. A lot of squizzes filled that out, so you might be interested in the results. Yeah. Have a great weekend. We'll be back next week.